Peace and blessings, everyone. I'm Aziza, and welcome to episode number 10 of Hot Tea. Mental health is an essential to a balance of life. However, it is far too often overlooked. I have a special guest today who has the courage to share their story. Meet Sister Kara. She is a revert to Islam and a mother of twin boys. She has faced many challenges stemming from her mental health, such as hospitalization and homelessness, but has overcome all these things with religion and therapy. Sister Kara, welcome. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. Something really stuck out to me when uh, I was reading your introduction, and that's how you mentioned religion helped you with your struggles. Sure. Um, so I come from a very long, hard years of just mental illness affecting my life. Um, I've been on and off of therapy since I was about 11 years old. Um, I have had a lot of behavioral issues. I was one of those children that had a lot of uh, communication issues and, and the way that I went about that was uh, through violence, through, um, through really inappropriate behaviors toward my parents, towards other people. I think I really struggled um, with the fact that I'm adopted um, at birth. Um, I was adopted and I think that was something very hard to cope with. Um, there was definitely some hard times between me and my parents that adopted me um, and we fought a lot. And so basically you saw a lot of my behaviors in school that were affected by mental illness, um, at home and through other family members. And basically growing up, it just got worse and worse and worse. And I definitely blame mental illness and I blame, uh, um, mental illness as I'm diagnosed as a little child with depression and anxiety and later on borderline personality disorder. So I definitely blame mental illness, but it's also been my recovery and I, my recovery from it is something that I would never take away. And I, even though I blame mental illness for a lot of disintegrated relationships and hardship that at the time I felt was unnecessary I feel like it brought me to being the person that I am today so as I still have some resentment with mental illness and I blame mental illness um, I've also become a person who I admire who I have higher self-esteem today who I like and I wouldn't have been this person if it wasn't for mental illness that's amazing that you have found like a silver lining with that, even though this was something that was very difficult, very dark, but in that darkness, you found good in it at the same time in retrospect. I think that's really important. What do you think? I definitely think it's important to note the positives that can come out of the storm. Mm. It reminds me of you know that um the ayah that says with hardship comes ease yes mm -hmm. um that's what it reminds me of you have when you're amidst the when you're in the storm of mental illness it's hard to see the light 
you may unfortunately you may have to be hospitalized you may be experiencing things that i've experienced like you know the depths of homelessness um the depths of ho hospitalization the the depths of just uh being alone suicidality and just um feeling alone through all of it right um but noting the positives even if it's after the fact of the storm, even if it's after all of these things, really important to increase your chances of recovery. I hope that makes sense. I feel like oh, I absolutely. rambled a little. No, it makes sense <laughs> to me. So are you saying that you're you're grateful? I'm grateful. I'm very grateful. I'm grateful I survived. I'm grateful that I'm here today and I have Subhanallah, I have a wonderful life that I never um, thought I would have had. How did how did you get to this point? Um, lots of treatments, lots of hospitalizations, lots of really bad consequences such as homelessness, and ultimately, subhanallah, religion. Subhanallah. Um, subhanallah. I do not feel like I would be where I am today without religion, without Islam. Uh, even though the treatments and the hospitalizations and all of the consequences combined, it brought me to a place where I wanted to recover. I wanted a better life. And subhanAllah, that's where Islam came in. Um, I met a Muslim girl at work and I was interested just in her hijab. I was just interested in her hijab. <laughs> And, you know, that brought a list of questions and I had a lot of uh, um, bad notion about Muslims. I had you weren't familiar a with Islam of, before, before meeting this coworker. I, I was not familiar with Islam okay. at all, but I told her I needed God. I know I need God because mm -hmm. I don't have any direction and I don't have I have all this therapy, I have all these tools and therapy and medication was correct and all that stuff, but I didn't have any direction and subhanAllah, that's what Islam wow. gave me. Wow. So how how soon after you met this coworker did you revert to Islam? Probably seven, eight months after. Mm. It took me a while, um, not too long, but it took me a lot of studying and uh, just looking into the religion and being around Muslims. And something that really attracted me was the mannerisms. And um, that's what I wanted to implement in my life because I saw the results that they would have. They had family. They had God, you know, mm. they had Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and um, that's what I wanted. So I knew that's how I had to act up, you know, that's how I had to change my ways to get these things. So, somebody hearing this who's not Muslim may say, Oh, well, she just reverted to Islam because that's that's who she saw in front of her. If you know, uh, Jehovah's Witness had come along or, you know, a missionary from the Mormon church would have come along, you know, could have gone any direction. What, what would you say to that? 
Well, I actually tried many other religions. Mm. Um, I don't think that's true because even if I were led to the Mormon church, even if I were led to Jehovah Witness, um, I feel like ultimately if someone else from a different religion would have come to me first, I would ultimately revert to Islam because um, I've tried many other religions as I grew up a very strict Catholic. Um, I dabbled in like, uh, you know, uh, not fake, I, but, I know you know, you other mean. religions, other, uh-huh. you know, other uh, religions too. Um, and I never found the direction. I never found, because Islam is very different, as you know. It is one of a kind when it comes to aligning yourself to a straight path. Al-Fatiha even says it, the straight path, you know. And there's many ways and ways to discipline yourself. And it's a guideline. And I don't see that in other religions. I I just never saw that in other religions. So this is something that very much attracted me and helped me, (laughs) you know. I'm sorry. (laughs) Getting a little emotional just listening to this. Really appreciate you coming on and sharing this. Um, So... Take us through it. So you reverted to Islam and you implemented these changes. And how did you combine these changes in your life with your therapy? Because some people seem to think all you need is that therapy component and then you can begin to heal. Um, But there's also a spiritual aspect to us. We are spiritual beings. So how did you combine Islam with your therapy? Even non-Muslims. When you seek a non-Muslim therapist, they're still going to tell you to do something spiritual. Wow. If you look at the 12-step program for Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous, whichever A you go to, um, the first thing is talking about God. Like you have to submit to to a higher power, they call it. And, you know, non-Muslim therapists and non-muslim you know doctors they all seem to suggest something spiritual along or something to rely on they 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 call it a community or they call it a higher power or some sort of something that makes you feel connected and they all say that Hmm. all of them so I think that it goes hand in hand. I think uh, therapy is very welcoming to, you know, a higher power. Um, and there's also spiritual counseling that I'm going through right now. Um, I'm going through um, therapy with a Muslim therapist. And oh, I think that it just, it goes hand in hand because in Islam, I feel like we have therapy within our religion. Mm. I feel, this is my opinion, I am, I'm no scholar by all means, but I feel like when people say, oh, you don't need therapy, you need religion, on the opposite end of the spectrum, right? Where people are like, oh, you just need religion, you don't need therapy. I think it also goes hand in hand because Within our religion, we have, you know, history of our prophets, history of our deen itself, 
that really implements um, mental health. Yeah, absolutely. I would even say the five daily prayers, the mere fact that when you start your day, you start off, you know, connecting with the creator. Mm -hmm. uh, midday, what are people usually doing midday? Working, hustle and bustle. Okay, you take a pause from that. Evening, you take a pause before you go to bed. So absolutely, I can see that. And then, you know, the different duas that are in Islam. Even zikr, mm -hmm. um, yeah. like, you know how meditation is so welcomed, especially in the Western world. They're like, oh, pray to Buddha. And I'm like, that's not even Buddhism, but okay. Right, right. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they... Uh, they welcome meditation and to me zikr is is like a way to meditate because Absolutely. you're it's like a mantra almost of like you know saying subhanallah subhanallah that's intention mm -hmm. and uh these are things that are so welcomed in the mental health community so as you align good getting to mental health getting to that goal of being mentally healthy um spiritually it all is connected as well it, it welcomes each other it goes hand in hand absolutely and you just reminded me of you know the early days of the prophet before his prophethood where he would go off you know into nature and mm -hmm. reflect that is definitely um meditation and it, go ahead sorry go ahead oh no. okay. <laughs> go ahead <laughs> <laughs> um it, it really uh, i love speaking about this because i feel like um prophets they've gone through so many life struggles that they're we also forget they're human and they had reactions to that and i like to give the example of nabi musa alayhi wasallam uh you know, he had anger issues. He killed a man, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, he felt guilt. So these are very normal emotions that we all feel anger, guilt. Uh, he was insecure with his um, speech impediment. Mm -hmm. So he had his brother speak on his behalf sometimes. And like, you know, you can use Ayub, alayhi wasalam. Mm -hmm. He had um, so many hardships that he had to deal with he was effective Yusuf you know um mm -hmm. cried until he went blind we have all of these examples of people who trusted in God put God first and they were in the end even with hardship they were very successful and they did what they needed to do for their prophethood they mm -hmm. did their tasks. And if we can do our tasks as people today in this world, despite our hardships, we trust in God. I feel like we will be successful. Mm. Inshallah. Inshallah. And that's what Allah SWT tells us. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I noticed that you have a blog. Could you tell us more about your blog? Yeah, I have a blog, Hijabi Mommy, um, and I don't know. They're, they're, the theme that I want is um, mental health and Islam, you know, merging together, 
I want to teach uh, dialectical behavioral therapy skills that I've learned, which is a specific type of therapy. And I want to teach it in the way of sunnah. So I put mm -hmm. a lot of hadith that I research. I learn as I go. Um, I'll look up some hadith that, that I think is, you know, very familiar. It looks familiar when it um, comes to dialectical behavioral therapy. And what I'll do is mention the hadith, mention the ayah or something that goes hand in hand, and I will write about it. Um, dialectical behavioral therapy is a specific type of therapy for borderline personality disorder, and um, it is practical to anyone, even if you don't have the disorder. Um, you have skills that I swear are already taught in Islam. And so, again, what I like to do is relate the two. That, that's wonderful. And I can definitely see a lot of potential with that, you know, for education and bridging those gaps. Do you think that there's a gap in our community with um, understanding of mental health and the the therapeutic component of it? Yes. Um, I think there's a lot of shame. Uh, there's a lot of shame when you have mental illness and people, and I feel like that makes the mental illness even more strong um, and more dangerous and leading to suicide and leading to really violent behaviors because there's so much shame around feeling sad. There's so much shame around feeling uh, angry or depressed. These things that we call negative emotions, you know, we judge them as negative, bad. And um, if we could have more people who are empowered and like, oh, these are my emotions, but that's not me. These are like, if we could separate our emotions and our mental disorders from who we are as people, and be like, hey, I I went on this journey and I found a solution for my problems or their ongoing problems. And I take day by day, um, one day at a time. Um, I really feel like we would have more empowered Muslims and we would have happier Muslims because there's not so much shame in, you know, being an alcoholic, being um a drug addict like these are mental like even mm -hmm. though there are negative behaviors that come out of it we need to stop looking at these people as bad people they are sick people they are sick people who need to get well and they need a community to to help them get well absolutely yeah we definitely need to hear more about that more voices like yours who have the courage to speak up. And it's have scary. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's scary. I mean, I feel like even within my own family, there's a lot of hush-hush around it. Mm. And it's I'm taboo. like, no, I, I have to talk about it. This is such a huge part of me. You know, my, my journey is such a huge part of me. And I am separate from my mental illness. I'm a totally different person besides my mental illness, but I still carry that 
luggage around, you know, Mm -hmm. I still have to do things a little bit differently to take care of my extra luggage, you know, I can't be silent about it. Right. Um, You shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. I can't be silent about it because I almost died from it. Mm, I've had many suicide attempts. I've been in many dangerous situations, homeless. I've been, you know, amongst very uh, scary people and I could have been in really harm's way. Um, But I feel like that survival is, is something that needs to be said for other people as a warning and as hope. Yeah. How long were you homeless? I was homeless on and off uh, for maybe a year, but on and off. So I would get housing and then I would lose housing due to, you know, uh, not being able to keep a job or whatever. Um, So I would find housing, lose housing, find housing, lose housing. Mm, So what, what advice would you give someone who is particularly Muslim, who's going through some mental health issues in secret? And uh, that's the first question. Second question, what advice would you give to anyone who knows someone who is going through mental health issues? I think that a Muslim who is going through mental health issues alone and is afraid to talk about it, there are are um, Muslim therapists out there that you could seek. Also, if you have a trusted imam in the community, possibly seek guidance from him. Have him intervene and talk to your family. I would really suggest support. I would really suggest support of some sort, even if it's a friend or a trusted family member that you can talk to on the side um support and i'm sorry what was the next question (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry Uh, what advice would you give someone who knows someone who's going through it oh um someone who knows someone who's going through it um try to educate yourself about how they're feeling if they say that they're feeling depressed educate yourself on depression check in on them even if they don't respond or respond well, keep being there for them. Um, I say that if you know you think that they're in harm's way and they're in danger to themselves, you might have to make a very hard decision and call someone to intervene and help them. Um, I would say just be patient, be kind, be understanding, be an open, be a listening ear, um, and do something sweet for them. Maybe buy them uh, a little candy here and there, take them out for dinner, or wash their dishes if they can't get out of bed and wash their dishes. You know, like little kindness can really go a long way. Being thoughtful. Being thoughtful. It's wonderful. Can you give us your, uh, the address to your blog one more time? Uh, I think it's, oh yeah, it's hijabi, excuse me, it's hijabi mommy mom at uh, wordpress.com. Okay. Do you have any parting words for us, Sister Kara? Um, peace be upon you all.
and uh, take care of yourself and seek help if you need it. Seek community, even if you don't feel you need it, it's always there. Use it to your advantage and stay well. It's beautiful, mashallah. Well, thank you so much, Sister Kara, for thank your you. time. I really appreciate it. And if you haven't already, you should really think about doing some of your own lectures and courses on mental health. I think people could really benefit from your knowledge and your passion. Uh, thank you so much. <laughs> so inshallah, I really hope to see more of you. You ah, coming inshallah. to fulfill you know, your passions and your dreams and even having you come back on here. So thank you. Oh, that'd be nice. Uh, thank you so him. much. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. I'm so grateful Sister Kara came on to share her story with us today. It is one of strength, perseverance, and courage through the darkest of times. If you're struggling, you don't have to keep struggling alone. And for those who fear Allah, he always prepares a way out and he provides for him from sources he could never imagine. And if anyone puts his trust in Allah, sufficient is Allah for him. For Allah will surely accomplish his purpose, verily, for all things has Allah appointed a due proportion. Chapter 65, verses 2 through 3. Until next time, be blessed and be well.